Well, good morning, airline, and happy Sunday. Thank you for joining us in worship this morning. If you are joining us online, drop a comment. Let us know you are there. If you are visiting, welcome to airline, and we are so glad you are here with us this morning. If you'll get up on your feet and worship with us. Here we go.
so awkward. She never wants me to give up her microphone. Good morning, Airline Baptist Church. It's so good to be here worshiping with you corporately this morning, to be able to, to meet with you, to worship, to hear God's word, and to sing his praises in Christ alone. That is our, that is our creed in life, that we live by Christ alone and live uh, fully in him. So good to see you. If you're visiting with us or if you haven't been here in a while, please take uh, just a moment to fill out the connection card in the back of your pew. Fill that out, drop it. after service or sometime when you're around and we'll, we'll get that and be able to minister to you um, in whatever way needs to be done. It is a blessing to have you with us this morning. Part of our worship service here at Airline Baptist Church is a time where we take up our tithes and offerings. Uh, we, we want to be part of who we are and that includes with tithes and offerings. So we want to do that this morning. If you would join with us this morning as we pray and then we'll take up that offering. come to you. We give you this time. God, would you be honored and glorified. God, by everything that's said and done, by every song that is sung, by every word that is spoken, offering, let it be a time of worship to you and you alone. God, we say every week we do not exist to make the name of Airline Baptist Church known, but we exist for your kingdom and your kingdom alone. And so, God, would you take this offering, would you multiply it, would you use it for your glory? And God will give you all the praise, honor, and glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
Lord, we thank you so much for this time of worship that we can just come and bow at your feet, Lord. Thank you so much that we can just cry out, Lord, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, you are so good and you reign forevermore. Lord, as we go into this time, thank you so much for who you are and all that you are doing right here at Airline Baptist Church. Father, we love you and we praise you forevermore. Amen. so good to see you here this morning. How many of you enjoyed life groups in our new locations and getting all of that kicked back off this morning? Okay. Awesome. Yeah. We had a great time, our young married class. Pit this morning, I apologize. Y'all pray for me. Them home me. Um, you could probably taste them and Book of James is this morning, and I'll be honest, church. I want, want just just to share with you as we get started. Um, this is one of the reasons I love expository preaching, where we just kind of begin in a book of the Bible and just just really work our way through. Not really be in a kind of selecting a few and that stems from just a core conviction of mine as a pastor and that core conviction is I believe God's word is sufficient to speak to his people no matter where they are that God does not need my intellect, my wit, or my abilities. That the greatest need of is to hear. And so I believe we find ourselves here by the good providence of God. That in verses 9 to 11, as you remember last week, we wrapped up with a church conference and we talked about church finances. And so by the good providence of God, we're going to be talking about finances and wealth. And so really, so faith is at play. And then James continues and says, if you lack wisdom, then pray. It makes it a matter of faith to ask. So let's read. Starting at verse 9, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. 
For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you and God, we give you this time. God, thank you for the opportunity to corporately worship you. And so, God, we pray now as we break open your word that worship would continue, that, God, you would speak through your word. Just as we've already said, God, our greatest need today is to hear from you and from your word. So would you speak? And, God, we'll give you all the praise, honor, and glory. And we pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen. So really there's two sections here in these first couple of verses. And really, so verse 9 and then verses 10 through 11. In verse 9, we we see this idea of the reversal of the poor. That the gospel brings about in one's life a... When we think about the context in which James was writing, the poor were classified as the lowest members of society. They were at the bottom of the totem pole. They had nothing to brag about. They had nothing to boast about. They were marginalized and looked down upon. But that's just society. That was just the culture that was around them. And so what happens when the gospel comes about in one's life? Notice what he says. Let the lonely brother boast in his exaltation. What makes the lowly brother, or some translations will say poor brother here, boast or take pride in? It's in that season of life that one learns the value of Christ. That when you have nothing else, you realize that Christ is all that you need. And this point will be fleshed out further. The lowly brother or the poor brother take pride in his exaltation that this side of eternity, I may have nothing, but on that side of eternity, I have everything. That this side of eternity, I may not have anything, I may not have the nicest things, I may not have the nicest stuff, but I have Christ. And if I have Christ, Makes the lowly brother take for these short 50, 60, 70 years on this side of eternity. I may not have anything, but I've got an eternity of riches waiting for me in Christ. And so before we even get to the rich brother, we have to understand, church. When it comes to dealing with finances, when it comes to the idea of poor and rich and wealth and all of that stuff, that it has to be framed within the context of Christ. 
You see, we can spend our entire lives chasing the dollar. Or we can spend our entire lives in despair because we don't have the dollar. We can spend our entire pity because we don't have the nicest truck. We don't have the newest house. Our kids don't go to the nicest private school. Whatever we have all that we need. That we may not have the nicest things. But that side of eternity. Like just to put this into perspective. Like we spend our entire lives chasing after shiny things. We want the gold, we want the nicest jewels. That side of eternity, we walk on it. So in Christ, we have more than we need. And this is a complete reversal. That the lowest of esteem, the ones that have and to boast in what they have to come. And the same should be true of us. And I just want to say this from the outset. The way as he's talking to here, that the church would have the rich and the poor in it. That he's not just talking to the poor and saying, listen, you've got to understand this, and if you were to encounter someone who is rich, you've got to understand this. And he's not just talking to the rich, saying you've got to understand this about yourself, and if you encounter someone who is poor, you've got to understand this. But know that both the rich and the poor would be seated together within the same church. That that's the picture of the church that James paints. It's not just a group of poor believers, not just a group of rich believers, but it's a group in the world together like that. What can unite a rich man and a poor man? Probably not food taste, probably not cars that they drive, probably not hobbies, but you by the God stronger bond than anything else. So the church is a united group upon socioeconomic status. So we see them both together and present in the church. So we see the reversal of the poor, that the lowly brothers told to boast or to take pride in the exaltation that the rich. Now it's important, just as a parenthetical thought, to define the rich. What does rich mean? Because we, we hear the term rich in our head. We probably have a picture in our mind of what rich is. 
that rich is the guy who has the massive house and the massive pool. And typically we think of rich as someone who's beyond us. Morning church. I just did some, some quick math. The, for the state of Georgia, the poverty line is bringing home for an individual about $40 a day. That is the poverty line. So if you bring home less than $40 a day as an individual, you are considered below the poverty line. The international worldwide poverty line is $2.15 a day. Now that's not to make light of someone living at the poverty line here in Georgia. That is just simply to say that someone living at the poverty line here in Georgia is still almost 20 times as wealthy as someone living at the poverty line in sub-Saharan Africa. Just let that sink in for just a moment. And that's not to guilt trip you or to make you feel bad, but simply to say this, that I believe if James were to walk into the room right now and he said we would put the rich people on this side and we would put the poor people on this side, we may think that we're poor, but James would probably walk in and go, no, no, you're on that side. We talk about wealth and we, we think of being rich as, do I have the nicest, newest car? Not about being rich as my house have. Not, do I have a house? We talk about being rich, can I afford the nicest steak? Not, can I afford a meal? You see, our, our Western American mind has placed it in, and not really in the broader context of the world that's around us. So who is James talking to? He's probably talking to most of us in the room. So he says, and the rich in his humiliation. So the lowly brother is boasting in his being lifted, brought low. Why? Because the flower of the grass will pass away. That those things that we build our lives around, the pursuit of money and wealth and power and influence, what's going to happen? It's going to fade away. It's not going to last. It's going to eventually fade. He says, for the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, its flower, 
us one day. All of the stuff that we have built our lives around is going to fade away. And I love, I love, start that sentence over again. Got like three sentences going through my head at the same time. I love how James frames this. It's beauty will perish. How many times in your life has there just been that thing that you go, I've got to have this? And where does it end up? A saying that I love is that as people, we are infatuated with the stuff of future yard sales. Like that thing that you just think you've got to have right now, that status symbol, whatever it is, I've just got to have this right now. What's going to happen? Either you're going to throw it away or you're going to stick a 50 cent sticker on it and say, whoever wants it, come get it. But we're infatuated with it and its beauty perishes. Those things that we think are beautiful and we must now is going to quickly fade. Of his pursuits. That we can devote our lives to chasing after the dollar. We can devote our lives to the whole keeping up with the Joneses. That my neighbor has this, so I must have this. My neighbor has this much in his bank account, so I must have this much in my bank account. And we will fade away in all of those pursuits if, the, if that pursuit is not Christ. It will fade away. And not only in those pursuits do the things fade away, but what impact does it have on those that are around us? How many husbands, listen to me, how many men have family earning another dollar? Mamas, how many moms have sacrificed their families on the altar of another dollar? Do your children need that or do they need you? They need you. So what is it that's going to last? What is it that's going to go into eternity? Are the things that we are pursuing, are the things that we are investing in, are they going to last or are they going to fade away? Just like the grass and the flower falls and fades away is what we are investing our time, effort, money, energy into. Is it going to last? This is the question that James wants the church to deal with. Is it going to have any impact into eternity? Or is it going to fade away?
See, we can oftentimes, and listen, it may not, it may not be sinful things, but we can invest our lives in things that are good but not best. We can invest our lives in things that may seem good but have no eternal value, have no eternal benefit. And so this brings us this morning to our central idea. <coughs> it's this. The gospel brings about a reversal and realization that God-given resources should be leveraged for eternity. When I understand the gospel, this is why we spent those four weeks walking through what is the gospel. When I understand the gospel, when I understand who Christ is and what Christ accomplished on my behalf, there's a reversal that takes place. That not just money, but my time, my talents, my about what's It's can I leverage these for Christ? If I was to sit down and look at my time, am I using my time and leveraging it in such a way that it makes an impact for eternity? If I look at the talents that God has given me, am I using them in such a way that I'm leveraging them for eternity? The finances me with, am I leveraging them for eternity or for my? So it's reversal, but then it's a realization. It's a realization because I think we struggle to believe at times that we can make any impact outside of ourselves. I think we truly struggle to believe that. That why would I want to invest my time, my talent, my treasure into eternity? Is it really going to make that big of a difference? And what does God's word tell us time and time again? That it does. It may not make that big of a difference in your hands and in my hands, but in the hands of the Father, it can make if we simply realize it. If we simply realize it. And so as I was thinking about this message this week, The past couple of weeks has been interesting. Um, been been taking Thursdays and just driving down to Atlanta to work on some schoolwork. And, and in those drives, and this is just 
victory signs. Know what I'm talking about. I saw that, Jojo, I saw that nice billion dollar sign. And my mind began to wonder, man, what would I do with that billion? When I'm driving to Atlanta by myself, I've got nothing else to do besides daydream. And man, Mike, I'm talking, I was going to be radically generous with that billion. Like I didn't play, but I had a plan for it. Church, I was gonna pay the debt off. I was gonna call the finance team, tell them, hey, I'll still pasture, but don't give me a salary anymore. Devote my salary to something else. Give it to senior adults. Let them have it. And then I was gonna personally fund like 20 full-time staff positions. Just personally. Going to get after it as a church after I won my hypothetical billion dollars. And I'm sitting there going through this daydream. And man, my God really just kind of began to convict me about it. Because I was going to be radically generous. I was going to give so much of it away. My, how can I expect to be radically generous with a lot? if I'm not radically generous with a little. And so you see, here's why we get so uncomfortable as, as church folks talking about finances, talking about money and being sacrificial and generous. Because money does not change our priorities, it reveals it. That's why we get uncomfortable. That's why when I first mentioned, okay, you can, you can let, okay, your wallet's safe this morning. But we get uncomfortable with it because all of a sudden that is a tangible thing we can look at and go, what are my And it's easy to daydream. Man, if I won the lottery, man, if I would take care of this, I would be radically generous with this. I would just be open-handed with everything in my life. But are you open-handed now? I would, do, I would be God-honoring with my finances then. Maybe it's not just with the lottery. Maybe if I just had a few more thousand dollars at the end of the year, I would be radically generous. But are you radically generous now? Because I guarantee you this, if you're not radically generous now, that you do get that few more thousand dollars at the end of the year, you're just going to fill it up with more priorities of your own. So are we radically generous, open-handed now? But Mike, here's the other question that God convicted me on. In the midst of my daydream, what am I dependent on? 
just had dollars in the bank, that life would then be okay? Or am I dependent upon the Father to make the provision that he has promised to make? You see, what allows us to be open-handed and generous with our lives, whether we have a lot or a little, is faith in the Father to provide for his people. That's what frees me up. That's what frees me up to be open-handed, to go, okay, God's going to provide. Are we dependent upon him? Are we dependent upon him to do what only he can do? Are we what he has promised to do to take care of his children? So not only are we, is it a sensitive subject, it is a sensitive because it also reveals our faith. Are we actually trusting him? Now I'm not saying you don't be, scripture talks about being a good steward and to have wisdom in things. So I'm not telling you this morning to cut a check and, you know, skip out on rent or your mortgage this month because God's going to multiply that, just sow a seed of a thousand, like not, none of that stuff. But where are, where is my, because typically we give God what is left over instead of giving God what is rightfully his, because the re reality is it's all his to begin with. And then trusting him. As the band comes back to the stage and we prepare to wrap up this morning. I know this hasn't been a necessarily pew-hopping, aisle-running message. But I believe it's God's word for us today. That all of us collectively have to wrestle with that question. My time, my talent, my treasure, Am I investing it into what is eternal? Am I investing it into what's going to last after I take my last breath? Are we investing it into that? Or are we investing it into something that's going to quickly fade away? That's not going to be remembered. What are we investing it into? But then for us collectively as a church, forward to then. How can we use 
those things collectively as a church, our time, our talent, our treasure, to impact eternity? Or just simply think about the temporary? To just simply think about the here and now? So as we close, just want to invite you to pray. To think about your life where you invested. You see, just because as we see, it's the realization of the rich as well, that what frees me up is understanding God's promise to provide, but what also frees me up is the realization that is enough. That whether I have nothing in the bank account or I have thousands in the bank account, Christ is enough. Christ is sufficient for both. And it's that realization that goes my talent as your for your glory. That's what frees me up. It's when I'm open-handed Christ. And if I have Christ, I have all that I need. So as we pray, if you need to come pray, this altar is open. If you need somebody to pray with, Mike will be standing over here. I'll be standing on this side. Let us wrestle with that question, what am I investing into? This morning, God, help us to be honest before you. And God, will give you all the praise, honor, and glory. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand and respond today.
It's a good word, Brother Zach. Enjoyed to be here with you this morning. We, man, we have worshiped. We have heard God's word. We, are, we should be full and ready to go out and uh, witness to our community and be a part of what God's got going on uh, in our lives and in our community to be able to share with others the love of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. we got a few things coming up. Uh, we had a, one thing that we've already done last Wednesday. If you were a part of that, man, I, w- I want to thank you. Heather would thank you. She's not here with us this morning, but we want to thank you for your help with that. It was a, We had a great Wednesday night. It was a great time. We had to improvise a little bit, Miss but man, we had a good time. Really, really appreciate everyone who who stepped in and helped that. We had a good turnout from the community too. We believe so. Uh, thank you so much for that. This week we've got our Wednesday night classes starting back off. So we'll have stuff for students, children, and adults. The preacher's going to be. He'll have a class, and y'all are meeting in the choir room. Okay. Um, students will be upstairs in the Family Life Center, and the kids will be where they have uh, traditionally been. So uh, we're in prayer for that. Join us in prayer for that, that God really uh, continues to, to mold us and shape us and, and make us into who he and uses these Wednesday night studies to do that. I don't think I left anything out. School supplies, if you have... OCC, please bring that by this week, correct? Okay, so please bring that by this week. Amen. Thank you, Taylor. Um, one last thing, I'll ask Quez to come over here. Um, Quez has been been with us since, really since we, we got first got up here, and so Quez has been a blessing to us. Um, Quez is, is going into a new season of life. He's starting a new job, just recently moved down to Sandy Springs, and so with that being said, Quez's last Sunday will be September 3rd with us. And so I know that you've appreciated him, loved on him, and encouraged him. And so I just want to invite you, we'll, uh, that Sunday we'll take some time pray over him and encourage him. Um, just on your way out today, be sure to come by and let Quez know how much you appreciate him um, and encourage him as, as he enters into this new season. Um, and so in turns 25 tomorrow, right? I do. 25. Okay. So... But let's pray and uh, we'll be dismissed. Father God, we love you. God, we thank you. Thank you for just the opportunity to worship you today and give you all the glory and honor. Thank you for Quest. Thank you for his heart, for worship, and uh, God, just the talents and gifts that you've given him. We pray as he enters into this new season of life, God, that you would bless him. You would use him in mighty and profound ways for your glory and for your honor. God, we love you. We thank you. We pray all this in Christ. For sure.